Well, I've come to appreciate why Pastor Daniel hates this head mic. Um, we really need to work at getting something that's a little more attractive. <laughs> Kids Church, you are dismissed. But uh, see how I always make him wear it. We have a little, usually a little fight about it every time he goes to preach. Um, I have to practice what I preach and wear, <laughs> and wear it. Amen. Ah, oh, it is good to be in the house of the Lord this morning. Amen? Amen. Let's just open with a word of prayer. Father, we just come and we just thank you, Lord, for your presence this morning and that we could become partakers. We were partakers of your presence today, God. And you are so good. And you just pour yourself on us and you just love on us. And we just enjoy your presence so much. Lord, I just ask that you would help me to accurately reveal your heart and to display your heart this morning, God. Lord, that you would quicken your words. Your Holy Spirit would speak through me this morning. Just open our hearts to receive, to hear from you. In your precious name, everyone said, Amen. Amen. Well, I'm always a little cautious about what I say to um, any of the pastors, because I know if I admit to something or say something, they are going to hold me accountable to it. And um, God began really revealing to me and opening up a picture to me of his love back in October. And I was studying for ladies Bible study. Uh, God had asked me to spend one morning every week consistently for one week and he was going to give me the key some keys regarding healing and um, as I was doing that one of the keys that he gave me was love and that's what I want to talk about today and um, we all love we all love to certain degrees certain capacities sometimes we're better at it than other times but we all have a capacity to love but what I really sense and was really uh, birthed in me was an enlargement. He wants to enlarge our capacity to love. He wants to take it and enlarge it. He wants to blow it open. And this year, uh, our theme is as you go advancing the kingdom. And really, the prayer weekend that's coming up, or the prayer weekend, the healing weekend that's coming up, that is to prepare us to prepare you to do your assignment. It's to give you the necessary tools that you need when you encounter somebody. And I feel the same way in regards to love. It is a necessary ingredient that we need enlarged in each one of us so that we can reach others for Jesus. They don't need a list of rules. They don't need a list of do's and don'ts. What they need is they need a revelation of the love of God. They need to experience his love. Um, a couple of years ago, we were praying as ladies. We were praying for a family and a husband in particular. And um, it was quite dire. It was quite serious. And um, I was so delighted one Sunday morning when I was walking over from the schoolhouse 
to the sanctuary to see the whole family get out of their car for church. I was like, wow, God, he hadn't been in church in a number of years, refused to come. And as we were worshiping, I began to pray for him and to intercede for him, that God would encounter him in his seat right where he was and overwhelm him with his goodness and overwhelm him with his love so that he would actually experience God's love, know God's love, and that his life would be changed. So the service progressed and ended, and Pastor David was talking to him at the end of the service in the foyer, And uh, just asked him if there was anything that he could pray for him about. And he said, well, an interesting thing happened to me today. I came because I was at the bottom of the barrel. There was nowhere else to go. Everything I had done didn't work. And as I was sitting in my chair during worship today, something happened. And I was overcome with the presence of God. And I felt him in a way that I had never, ever experienced him before. I can't explain it. I can't describe it. But I know this, that if anyone was to tell me that it's not real, I would say to them they're wrong because I have experienced it. That is what we need to pour out to others. They need to experience the love of God. We need to experience the love of God. And sometimes we have grown up in church or, you know, we have, it's just become every day. And I think we need a fresh revelation of the love of God. A fresh revelation of what that picture looks like. So today, uh, So back to uh, being hesitant to what I say to pastors. When I was writing the lesson on love for ladies Bible study, God said, I want you to preach part of this in church. And I laughed. I was like, yeah, I'm not admitting to that anytime soon. (laughs) But it wouldn't go away. So I I mentioned it to Pastor David and I said, I I, just really feel that this is a word for the church. I really feel that we need this ingredient to be able to do our assignment this year. And he's like, all right, let's do it. So he has held me. He has held me to that. During the time that this was all sort of opening up to me, I had been listening to... uh, a man who moves in, in healing, um, his name is Curry Blake. And I was listening to him describe uh, an experience that he had. And he liked to watch the show House. And I don't know how many of you have watched that show, but it's about a doctor and he's a little quirky and a little odd and kind of gets himself into trouble sometimes. But he liked that show. And he said God spoke to him very clearly and said, you really shouldn't be watching that show anymore. And he was like, well, I'm really picky about what I watch, and I don't understand. There's nothing wrong with it. It's not immoral. And so he kind of questioned God on it, and God says, no, I'm I'm telling you, you really shouldn't be watching that anymore. It's going to affect you. It's going to affect the way that you carry out your assignment. So he did not listen. He didn't obey. And what he found was when he went to pray for people and to move in healing, which is his gifting, All of a sudden, he 
he found a blockage and a stoppage. Because now, when they stood before him and they said what was wrong, instead of his love and compassion being moved from his bowels and his inward, his mind clicked in. And he became critical. And it was an assessing. And he'd learned things while he was watching House. He'd learned what causes certain diseases and illnesses. So in his mind, he, he would he'd look at them and go, oh, you have diabetes. Oh, well, hmm, if you did this, 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 and this. So he began to, it began to affect how he ministered. It stopped the flow. And he had to come and he had to deal with that. So that he could complete his assignment. And that got me thinking. Began to germinate inside me. What things, what thoughts and ideas have robbed me of my compassion or my love for people? What things have moved me from my position of compassion? It's like a compass being slightly off. You won't be effective. You're not going to get where you need to go. You're not going to hit the mark. You won't hit the target. We have to recalculate our route. We have to get our compass reading correctly. We live with people. We work with people. We play with people. We encounter people all the time. That is our world. It's our environment. We rub elbows with them, we fight with them, we argue, we get irritated, we get frustrated. And we could come to believe that they are the problem. Let me say that again, just in case you missed it. We could come to believe that they are the problem. But we have to continue to work with them, live with them, rub elbows with them, function with them, eat with them, sleep with them, drive in a car with them. So our love and compassion has to take on a transformation. And when it takes on that transformation, our thoughts and our feelings and our actions will change. Around this same time, the cry of my heart was to accurately display his heart. If I could sum it up in one line, God, I want to accurately display your heart. When people meet me, I want them to see Jesus. I want them to experience his love. I don't want people to encounter me and walk away and say, wow, that's what it looks like to be a Christian? No thanks. I want to accurately display his heart. That statement keeps us in check. I encourage you to take your bulletin out this morning. Write that down. 
I want to accurately display your heart. I want to accurately reveal your heart. What is the heart of God? So today as we're talking about having our capacity to love enlarged, I think there's three things that are going to help us understand that. One, we need to experience his love. We need to experience his love. And that's not just a head thing. It's not just a head thing. We all know that God loves us. We've sung about it since we were in Sunday school, two years old. Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. That's rote. That's memory. That's head. But he actually wants to come so that you can actually experience his love. And when you have experienced his love, and that revelation of his love has been birthed in you, and you've experienced it, it's going to pour out to others. The second thing is, is he wants us to learn about his love. His love is different than ours. And the third thing is, he wants us to practice his love. So we're going to look at those three things today in how to enlarge our capacity to love. We must experience his love the way he intended. Not the way religion has told us. Not through our own humanistic thinking. So let's look at what does his love look like. If you want to turn to 1 John 3, 1. 1 John 3, 1. Behold what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore the world knoweth us not, because I knew him not. Behold what manner of love. I love it in the Woost translation. And I'll read that for you. Behold what exotic, foreign to the human heart love the Father has permanently bestowed upon us. To the end that we may be named born ones, children, sons of God, and we are. On this account, the world does not have an experiential knowledge of us because it has not come into an experiential knowledge of him. He gives us a picture of his love there. And I love how Wu says it. It's exotic. It is foreign to the human heart. It's not how we think. We think, oh, well, if they do this, I will love them. If they don't do this, I will withhold my love from them. We put lots of conditions on our love. But God's love is not dependent upon what we do. While we were yet sinners, he chose to love us. He sent his son to die for us. 
His love is great. It's wonderful. There is an incredible quality to his love. It's pure. It's not defiled. It's permanent. He doesn't withhold his love. He gives us a really great description of what love is in 1 Corinthians 13, and I know you all know it because it's something we all grew up with. But I just want to list for you all the different ways that love looks like and love demonstrates itself. Love's long-suffering. That means it doesn't lose heart. It patiently bears the offenses and injuries of others. It bravely endures misfortunes and troubles. It's patient. That's what long-suffering is. Love is kind. It's mild and pleasant. It's not harsh, sharp, or bitter. Love does not envy. It doesn't boast itself. It's not a braggart. It's not puffed up. It's not proud. It's humble. It does not act unseemly or unbecomingly. It isn't ill-mannered. It's not rude. Love doesn't seek her own. It doesn't love... Now, how contrary is this to our thinking? <laughs> love doesn't insist on its own rights. How many times do we hear ourselves saying, this is my right. I have the right. No, we don't. We should be willing to lay down our rights for each other. We should be willing to lay down our rights for the one who paid the price for it all. Love doesn't insist on its own way. It is more concerned about the state of the other person. So love causes me to be concerned about your state, your condition. Why are you in the condition you're in? It's not easily provoked. It's not easily irritated, easily exasperated, not angry. Doesn't think evil. Does not rejoice in iniquity. Hmm. Injustice should cause love to rise up in you. So when you see injustice, it should move your innermost being, your bowels, your, that's the seat of your emotions. It should move you to do something about that injustice. It shouldn't, you, you, you can't be passive. Love is not passive. It's got to move you. Unrighteousness causes love to rise up. When we see unrighteousness, our love should rise up. Help bring them through. To place of right standing. We don't want to leave people in the state they're in. It doesn't rejoice at the fallings of others. 
Love rejoices in the truth. It stands in opposition to unrighteousness and what is wrong. Love is truth. It's truth. So, if I love you, I will speak truth to you. There will be a transparency there. Love bears all things. That means it conceals. It doesn't expose people's faults. It comes alongside them and says, hey, you're hurting. I see this area needs work on. Let me help you. We don't have to expose one another. But we help them come to a place of right standing. <laughs> Love hopes all things. Love endures all things. That means to remain and not recede. So even in times of difficulty and conflict, our love, love does not recede. It remains. It perseveres under misfortune and trials. So God's given us quite an amazing definition of what love looks like. He's shown us. And somehow we, we've kind of taken it and we've done our own thing with it. And we've attached conditions and rules and limits. That's not God's love. If we go back to 1 John 3, 1. So we've seen what his love looks like. He has bestowed it upon us. He gave it to us. He furnished us with his kind of love. He has furnished us. He's equipped us with his kind of love. And it's necessary for us to have his kind of love. Because we cannot reach anyone. We can't reach a lost and dying world without his love. And why did he do it? Why did he give us his love? Why did he lay down his life for us? That we would be called sons of God. That we would be called sons of God. He has an expectation of us to be like Jesus. Jesus shows us a picture of what it means to be a son of God. He wrapped it all up. Jesus said, they were, they were asking him, well, what, what's the greatest commandment? And he wrapped it all up into two things. Love the Lord and love your neighbor. So he wrapped it up. 
made it very simple. He commands us to love, and he gave us that blueprint. We must experience his love to enlarge our capacity. And this morning, we're going to take opportunity to do that. He wants to birth in you. And he wants to reveal himself, his love to you. In such a great way. A deep way. He wants you to experience his love. He doesn't want you to leave this building with, yes, God loves me. I know that. He wants you to feel his love. When you give somebody a hug, what do you feel? You feel love. When my husband hugs me, he's displaying his love for me. He's showing his love for me. He's wrapping his arms around me. I feel safe and secure. I feel his love. And God wants to do that this morning. But there's a... He wants us to experience his love. If you want to turn to 1 Thessalonians 3.12. It says, And the Lord make you increase and abound one towards another. And toward all men, as in, even as we do toward you. There is a fullness and abundance. There's excess. So God wants his love. He wants to pour it on you in excess, in abundance. And he wants that excess and that abundance to come out of you towards others. It is a condition that the Lord causes. He causes it to happen. There's a force behind it. He supplies what's lacking. Because sometimes we're, we have a little deficit. He supplies what's lacking. It's supernatural. He wants his supernatural love to flow through you to others. Because that is the only way we are going to reach people. We're all praying for two people or two families this year. 
He wants us to show his love to them. To allow his supernatural love to pour through us to them. That they would experience him. They don't need religion. They need Jesus. They need to know that he loves them. They need to experience his love. And he will supply that supernaturally. Colossians 3, 12 to 17. Put on, therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercy, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another and forgiving one another. If any man had a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. And above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfectness. He commands us to put it on. It's a decision. We live in a culture of love is, you know, an emotion. And if I feel like it, people fall in and out of love all the time. We have a huge divorce rate because we fall in and out of love. I don't feel it anymore. We've drawn, we've fallen apart, grown apart. Now love is a decision. Love's hard work. Love requires us to do something. Do you notice the words in that verse are very similar to the description of love in 1 Corinthians 13? Kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another. He kind of lays it out there. He, he, he doesn't want to just say, love each other. No, he's, he's going into, this is how I want you to love each other. This is how I want you to display my heart to a lost and dying world. We want to be a hospital. We want people to come in here who are hurting, whose lives are messed up. But what are you going to do when they come in and they don't fit the picture of what someone looks like in church? Is a criticalness going to come over and a judgment come in? Or do we see where they're at? Do we see that God is drawing them? He's bringing them here. And what he's actually asking us to do is to be a dispenser of his love, to come alongside them, draw them in, show them his love, show them what that picture looks like, work with them, walk with them. That they could actually experience Jesus. Now all of those things is very interesting. Because all of those things, he wraps it up at the end of the verse. He says, with love. I'll just read that again. Above all these things, put on love. And then he says, which is the bond of perfectness. That is, love is the bond. Love is the joint. It's the ligament. It's what ties and holds everything together. It's what makes everything function and work. Jason had his ligaments torn in his arm. 
his arm would not work and function like it was supposed to. His love, love is like the ligament. It holds it together, binds it together. It's, ca- it's what causes everything to work well. And if you go back to 1 Corinthians 13, the whole beginning of that chapter is, you could have this, you can have that, you can do this, you can do this. But if you don't have love, it's nothing. It's nothing. We were driving into Vancouver yesterday, and um, we do that a lot. He likes to drive, and I study or sleep <laughs> while he's driving. And uh, I was thinking about love, and I was thinking about different giftings and personalities, and the Lord just opened up uh, Romans and, and the giftings. And I began to think about what the giftings look like and how they look with love. So I kind of broke it down. And maybe you can see yourself in one or two of these areas. So if you're a prophetic person, well, I'm very prophetic. So when I see someone and I see their situation, what I'm seeing is the path they're on. And I see the road of where it's taking them. So a demonstration of love that I have towards that person is to warn them, is to say, you know what, you're on a path, and this is where that path's going to take you. Are you sure that's where you want to go? That's how a prophetic gifting operates in love. Maybe you're gifting, you have faith. Well, they see the pitfalls of where your path will take, uh, of of your situation. And they believe that God's going to bring you through. So have you ever talked to a faith person? And you've said to them, you know, we're really struggling, blah, 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 blah. blah. And they say, wow, you know what? God is going to bring you through. And they begin to speak words of life and they begin to speak words of faith into you. They begin to build you up and, and to encourage you. They begin to see, begin to give you hope and to see that, hey, God's in control and he's interested in your life. Let's partner with him and believe for something different. Maybe a ministry of helps is one of your strong giftings. Well, they'll see your situation and they'll look for a practical way to help you. Very practical. Maybe you're a teacher. Maybe that's one of your giftings, is teaching. Well, they'll come and they'll see your situation, your problem, your difficulty. And they'll want to teach and mentor you. They don't want you to stay there. They could probably give you a five-step process to get from there to where you need to go. And if you allowed yourself to be mentored by them, you would probably very succeed. Maybe you're an exhorter. 
Well, they will see your situation and they will come along and they'll encourage you. They'll admonish you. They will instruct you. Maybe you're a giver. Givers see the situation and they will look for ways to give. And they're not looking for glory or honor. They often want to do it with nobody knowing. A gifting of ruling or leading. They are protective in nature. Leaders are protective in nature. They want to protect you. So they'll see your situation and they'll want to come alongside you. And they don't want to see you destroyed or hurt. They don't want to see you in a vulnerable place. So they want to give you aid and they want to help you for your protection. Maybe you're a mercy person. And I grew up with two very strong mercy people. Well, they see where you are and they just want to wrap their arms around you. They love you. They feel your pain. They don't want you to be in pain. They want to give you words of hope. And often this gifting will also give you some sort of physical help. Did you see yourself in any of those giftings? How you tend to show love? And we're often more than one gifting. But God wants to use you to be a dispenser of his love. He wants to use the gift that he has placed in you. And he wants his love to supernaturally and practically flow out of you to others. So today... As we close, we're going to do two things. So many of us struggle with our perception of a father. I was very blessed. My children have been very blessed because they have good daddy pictures. They have a good picture of a daddy, of a dad. They also have a good picture of their heavenly father because of the earthly display. There's many people who struggle with that picture because their earthly fathers weren't perfect, but they let them down. Maybe they were hurt. They were disappointed. And so sometimes our picture of our heavenly father is skewed by the picture that we have seen with our earthly father. Maybe we haven't even had a father in our life. And I can't imagine that. And the pain that comes with that. But I believe this morning, God wants to reveal himself to you as your dad. He wants to love on you Like a daddy loves on their child. And if any of you saw on Facebook, I don't know, yesterday or Friday, Adrian had little Katie in his arms. He loves that little girl. He loves that little girl. And she was all snuggled and cuddled in. And 
And I imagine he could just sit for hours holding her and cuddling her, giving her protection, safety, just loving on her. And that's what God wants to do to us today. He wants to love on us. So if you want to just close your eyes, and maybe you've had a great picture of a dad, which is awesome, and that's wonderful. But God wants to come, and he wants to pour himself out on you this morning. He does not want you to leave this house the same condition that you arrived in. He wants to birth a supernatural love in you. He wants to supernaturally impart and reveal himself to you this morning. So just, re- just, just receive his love. Just quietly in your chair. If you want to lift your hands and do that, that's great. But he wants to pour his love on you. Just receive his love. Don't distract your neighbors. Just receive his love. His love is just washing over you this morning. His love is supernaturally birthing in you something new. You're going to look back to this day and you're going to say, something changed in my spirit, in my heart. Just receive. Father, just reveal your heart. We just take authority of those bad dad images right now in the name of Jesus. We just to take authority over them. We bind them. Be gone now in the name of Jesus. That picture is broken now in Jesus' name. It will no longer dominate. It will no longer be the picture we see when we think of a dad. When we think of a dad, we will no longer feel a longing and a destitute and a a pain. But that picture and that image is being broken right now in the name of Jesus. And he is supernaturally imparting his dad DNA on you right now. He is supernaturally imparting his Love, DNA on you. When you think of the word dad, his face is going to come. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. And the second thing that I really believe God wants us to do this morning is that he wants us to enlarge our capacity to love. And if that is your desire this morning, that you're saying, Lord, enlarge my capacity to love. I want your love to flow through me to reach others. I want you to stand with me this morning.
you want more love, you want your capacity of love to be stretched and grown, to have a super inter- supernatural impartation of him, just stand right now. And the reason why I'm having you stand is because love is a decision. Love is a decision. And you are making a decision right now. You are making a choice right now. And you are saying, I am choosing. I am choosing. To walk in your love. I want to accurately display your heart. Just lift your hands to receive this from the Lord this morning. Hallelujah. Lord, enlarge my capacity to love. Enlarge my capacity to love. I am not satisfied, God, with what I have right now. I thank you for what I have, but I want more. I want a larger capacity to display your heart. Birth in me your heart. Give me your DNA this morning, God. Birth in me your heart of love, your compassion for people. Oh, I don't ever want to misrepresent you, God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Lord, I just speak enlargement over this house. I speak enlargement over each person and an enlargement of your love. Lord, that they would be dispensers of your supernatural love. When people are irritating them, frustrating them, and making them angry, Lord, your love would be at the forefront of their mind. And your love would begin to flow. Your love would begin to flow. Enlarge our capacity. Show us a picture of how you see people. Oh, you see people with value. Everyone has value. There's no respect of persons in the kingdom. You see everyone with value. <laughs> Oh, God, that we would love like you. Open our eyes, God. Open our eyes. Give us spiritual eyes to see people how you see them. God, open our hearts. Lord, that we would feel people's pain. Open our hearts that we would be able to feel their hurt. That we would feel where they're at. Lord, that that bowels of love and mercy and compassion would would rise up in us. Multiply that in us, oh God. Oh, that we would be dispensers of you. Dispensers of you, Jesus. When people would encounter us, God, they would say, oh, I feel so loved. They would feel your love. Mm, Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. 
thank you, Lord. You are a good God. You are a good dad. You love us. Oh, thank you, Lord. Just thank him this morning. Thank him for the work he did in your heart. Express your love to him this morning. He is so amazing. Oh, he just loves you. And he just poured himself out on you. How awesome is that? Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Father God, we just lift up our soup today. It's Super Bowl Soup Sunday. We get to have Super Bowls of soup. Lord, just bless it. Bless our time of fellowship, Lord. Lord, as we gather together and we spend time just loving on each other and getting to know one another. In your precious name, amen.